And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my friend Brad Devlin. Uh, it's always a good time talking to Brad. We uh, we covered a lot. You know, Rick Wilson getting bodied by Domino's Pizza. Football coaches apologizing for wearing a T-shirt. Uh, oh, yeah, the left canceled Aunt Jemima. Uh, that, that, that's, that's a big one, too. We we get to all of it, all, all the all the heavy-hitting issues, all the, the real important stuff on the show today. <laughs> oh, yeah, before I get to Brad, I need to say hi to our friends and sponsors over at The Aetherverse. Uh, guys, I really think you guys are going to really love this book. The Aetherverse is a brand-new libertarian sci-fi novel by two great young libertarian authors, Joey DeUrso and Eugene Bryan. Um, the story is is... is more relevant than ever. Uh, it makes politics and social satire exciting and fun, mixing ideological debates with space battles, violence, action, all that good stuff. It has something for everyone, political intrigue, war stories, romance, humor. It appeals to conservatives and libertarians alike, or basically anybody who doesn't like big government. Anybody who's a, a free thinker, I think, will really enjoy this book. Um, best of all, it is fiercely anti-social justice warrior and pulls no punches. I, I think you guys are really going to like it. You can find out more at theaetherverse.com. That is theaetherverse.com. You can order it right now online at Barnes & Noble or Amazon, and I will include the links in the show notes. Um, and, guys, we, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, the fact that the left dominates culture. You know, they, they dominate Hollywood and the music industry and sports and everything. And uh, But we need to put our money where our mouth is. You know, we can't complain that there isn't a lot of good conservative and libertarian art coming out if we're not going to write the check, <laughs> and actually support uh, libertarian and conservative art. And uh, you should definitely support the Aetherverse. Check it out now. Um, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. All right. Without further ado, here is my chat with Brad Devlin. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Brad Devlin. Brad, my brother, how you doing? Hey, thanks for having me on, Brady. Hey, of course, man, anytime. So let's jump right into it. Uh, they canceled Aunt Jemima. The left finally got Aunt Jemima. Syrup is racist. You're racist. Waffles are racist. If you like waffles, you're a racist. Why are you so racist, Brad, huh? Huh? You, you bigot. What I, are we doing? What are we doing? I'm Syrup. You know, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard about this. Until you brought it up to me this morning, and I was like, "They got Aunt Jemima. They, they got her. It was, it's it's a, it's a high tech lynching of Aunt Jemima, <laughs> as as Clarence Thomas said in 1991. And this is I. The funny part is I looked it up on Wikipedia just, just to see, you know, kind of the history of Aunt Jemima, see if it was a, a Lando Lakes kind of story, um, where the guy who started <laughs> Lando Lakes butter was actually a Native American and put his culture on the on the packaging but now land lakes is like whoa can't have a native american guy going and appreciating his culture because he he drew it like a stereotype so you know a bunch of white middle management folks have to go in and change the packaging of land lakes i thought it was <laughs> might be a similar situation this is the first sentence of the wikipedia page Excellent. god bless 
the people who write Wikipedia pages because they're so goddamn quick about like <laughs> changing someone's death date. Yeah. And it says Aunt Jemima is a to be discontinued brand of pancake mix, syrup and other breakfast foods, which are owned by the Quaker Oats Company of Chicago, a subsidiary of PepsiCo. It goes on. It said. Uh, following the killing of George Floyd and subsequent protest on June 17, 2020, Quaker Oats announced that Aunt Jemima, the Aunt Jemima brand would be replaced with a new name and image to make progress towards racial equity. OK, you, you know what? You know what? That little fat Benjamin Franklin looking Quaker guy on those oats. Replace him. Replace him. No one likes his face. No one likes him going around, you know, telling me to eat my oats. Put Aunt Jemima on there. Add a little bit of that maple syrup wonderfulness to their oats. And maybe then I'll start eating oats. But don't get rid of Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima is my favorite. I, I can't believe that this is happening. So, like, But what's the thinking here? So we replace any person of color on any food, replace them with a straight white man just to make sure that nothing's racially insensitive. Isn't that... Wait, but that's the... Well, you say straight white man. Maybe it might be a gay white man. I don't know. Yeah, but we, that, have to, we have to wait and see what they whip though. up over there at Quaker Oats. Yeah, that'd be that'd be bigoted though. It it could be bigoted. I <laughs> I honestly have no answers for you. The, the whole thing's so absurd. I uh, she first appeared in like 1899 Eight, or 1889. 1889. Right. I'm sorry, 1889. This has been around for hundreds of years, and now first now you know, I feel like uh, there's been racial equity um, under the law to a to a certain extent for a good part of American history. Now we're talking about you know, 50, 60, 70 years. And no one had thought up to that point that Aunt Jemima was racist whatsoever. But because Aunt Jemima was created in the Reconstruction era, in an era where a lot of people absolutely in marketing and in, in television and in, in entertainment created horrible racist stereotypes of African-Americans. I don't think Aunt Jemima is that. No. I mean, if you really want to compare the image of Aunt Jemima to some of the images that were created of of African Americans in toys and in entertainment. I mean, the contrast is night and day. If they really wanted Aunt Jemima to be a racist calling card, I mean, they could have and they would have gotten away with it at that time period, um, obviously. But but I don't think that this is what that is. I I I don't know enough, you know, about Auntie Jemima to really go in on on her history. But I I don't see her as a racist caricature. Here's here's the issue, man. Here, here's the real issue. My brother and I, we have a saying. We've said this since we were teenagers. You can't trust a man who's never been punched in the face. I think that's that's just the bottom line. I, every predicament we're facing <clears throat> excuse me, in this country goes down to the fact that there's a whole bunch of men who have never been punched in the face leading the country. <laughs> okay, like, look, if you've been punched in the face, you don't cry over syrup. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how you grew up, man, but, like, I grew up, like, in Toledo, Ohio, like, a real town with real problems and shit, you know? It, like, weak, pathetic, girly men who've never been punched in the face cry about syrup. Like, weak, pathetic, girly men who've never been punched in the face cry like little girls because a football coach wore a One America News t-shirt, right? <laughs> if you like, if you're a real oh, person— Like, imagine, like, if you're offended by these things, you've never— had a problem in life, you know what I mean? Like if that if if a if an OAN shirt from some coach in Oklahoma triggers you, 
Like, what a ridiculously privileged life you have led. Like, you've never had a family member die. You've never been poor. You've never had your car break down. You've never had a hangnail. You've certainly never been punched in the face. So it's just weak men. I mean, it's just weak men create hard times, and that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, you want to know why all these ridiculous soy men have have horrible horrible facial hair and you have great facial hair brady this is no dig on facial hair in general well, thank you. but they have horrible facial hair facial hair is because they never their, their dad's never taught them how to shave their dad's never taught them how to change a tire their dad's never taught them to how to stick up for themselves and now it's literally the south park phenomenon of oh my god no one cares if i'm offended on behalf of myself i have to be offended on behalf of other people because that is going to be the most virtuous and that will lead to substantive change and that's ridiculous i mean does anyone go into their pantry and grab aunt jemima and think oh my gosh <laughs> this is the worst i can't believe i'm putting this on my pancake right now and guess what buy a different brand of syrup if you don't like aunt jemima oh well it tastes good oh really you mean the product's good the the, the product is worth buying I, I I have no words for these people i mean most of the time it's people who don't even probably consume syrup because i don't know some ethical complaint Playing against how we extract extract maple from maple trees. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I I I I have no answers for these people. I mean, cancel culture, public shaming, censorship. It is in it is in this season. I mean, this season's writers of of 2020 are just like, oh, we are gonna make this this one about cancel culture for sure, and we're gonna put it off the back of some you know a horrible killing of an an innocent black man, and you know that's gonna be buried up real quickly we're gonna we're gonna go to the second and third order effects in about two days time and no one's going to even remember the legacy of george floyd it's it's ridiculous the thing is about cancel culture is that it's not effective if people are intelligent if people actually stand up for themselves like cancel culture only works on cowards like mike gundy that the head football coach at oklahoma state is a coward i mean he 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 apologized for going fishing with his kids while wearing an oan shirt and he was canceled by the press and by the Democrats. He was forced to apologize. He apologized. He groveled and apologized for wearing a T-shirt. Before he apologized, apparently he was also forced to remove his genitals because no man with a penis would apologize for wearing a T-shirt. I'm sorry. Like, cancel culture only works when there is a culture of cowardice. Like, stop. Mike Gundy should have pulled the Conor McGregor. He should have turned the camera on and said, I'd like to apologize. To absolutely nobody! <laughs> that I would have had yeah. so much respect for this man. If he would have said, suck my dick. I'll watch whatever cable news channel I want. I'll wear whatever shirt I want. My goodness. Cancel culture only works when men are cowards. It's, I mean, obviously it's the, the left's fault for trying to cancel everybody. But I, I fault the right as well. For every single one of you guys who've apologized for something you didn't do, shame on you. Be a man never apologize unless you've actually done something wrong. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you said something perfect, and it's cancel culture only works in a culture full of idiots and cowards, right? Uh, I'm going to do you one better. Leftism only works in a culture of idiots and cowards yes. because the left comes in and says, we know what you need to think. We know how you need to act. And people who are cowards find security in that, and people who are idiots 
say, well, you know, I'm too stupid to do this on my own, so take care of it for me, daddy. And that, and that's really what it is. Leftism, leftism has a vested interest in keeping the populace dumb and keeping the populace unprepared and keeping the populace reliant. As, as, as Mike Gundy goes, right, this, this football coach from Oklahoma State, okay, is anyone particularly surprised? The kid grew up in Midwest City, Oklahoma. He's got a mullet. He named his kid Gunner Gundy and Gage Gundy. And you're surprised that the man watches One America News? Are you out of your gourd? What were you expecting? What what have you known about this man for the past 15 years? He's been the coach of that football team for 15 years. And this is not the first thing that he's done that's political. I mean, oh my God. God, it, it really is ridiculous, and it is a shame because you know it wasn't Mike Gundy who wanted to go out there and apologize. Mike Gundy was probably probably like, are you freaking kidding me? This is ridiculous. Why would I have to apologize? You guys know this stuff about me. I haven't necessarily been particularly private about it, and it was probably all the leftist college administrators and some chick from the social studies department or gender equity department probably wrote some faculty letter to an administrator and the administrator passed that on to you know the 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 athletic director and the athletic director shamed him into apologizing this is how leftist censorship works and this is why the campus culture battle is important because this this is you know something that is happening on a college campus it It seems to have gone beyond that, but this is something that is happening on a college campus. And the problem, as I said last week in my show, the problem when you teach students that speech is violence and that the the proper response to speech you don't like is public shaming, is censorship, is cancel culture, and is sometimes violence in, in return to that speech, you get people going out into the professional world genuinely believing those things. And it it's only going to get worse as millennials enter into higher rungs of the corporate ladder, ladder and and you have uh, Gen, Gen Zers entering the workforce more and more. It's only going to get worse, and that is why the, the campus battle is so important, and that's why I am disappointed in Mike Gundy. But I'm more disappointed in the people who were complicit in pressuring him um, to apologize from soft, uh, pussy boy – academics well the thing is like i mean everybody knows you know kids on college campuses are all a bunch of pussies but the football players some of his own players were whining and crying about a t-shirt football players it's mike gundy's job to prepare men to be better at giving other men concussions than the other group of men that are trying to give his men concussions okay like that, that's that's his job okay football all right it's actually funny Football was invented by college professors in the 1870s, which is wild. <laughs> and it was invented by, by college professors because, you know, the Civil War was won, all the Indian Wars were won, and generations of men for the entire history of the country up to that point had been fighting wars, fought the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, the Indian Wars, the Civil Wars, and men had nothing to do. Young men didn't have any wars to fight. All the wars were won at that point, and they were becoming pussies. And the college professors decided they needed to invent a game that replicated warfare to toughen up all these young men. 
Okay. <laughs> and throughout history, football players have been some of the toughest people in our society. And if they're becoming a bunch of crybaby pussies, I don't think that says anything good for our future. I don't know, man. Oh, absolutely not. It do- doesn't. And it's the same thing. You know, it's it's these college, you know, these college students and a lot of them grew up in tough, you know, neighborhoods. A lot of them for foot like football was the only way out of their communities. And and I understand, you know, I under- and these guys might be physically, emotionally and mentally tough, but they go to the college campus and they are injected with a magical serum called leftist education. And then they 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 get up on their their altar of virtue and and shame people who don't believe the things that their professor are telling them in class. I mean, the college campus, any college campus, you know, particularly Berkeley for me, right? It was the highest concentration of smart dumb people I've ever met in my life because all of it is critical theory BS that people buy into and no one is there to say, "Huh, you know, that that seems like an interesting idea, but you've made a lot of assertions, right? Academia is now is now the the business of assertions. It's not the business of, of argumentation. It's not the business of rebuttals. It is the business of assertions without providing clear evidence to back it up. That is what academia loves to do. And because they are academics, because they have the respect generally of the populace and of uh, of the elites in our society, they get away with it. They get away with it time and time again. And I remember in, uh, I believe it was 2017, or 2018, those that, that group of academics that came together and just wrote BS reports on how like dogs um, at at dog at dog, dog parks, you know, trying to screw each other, perpetuated rape culture, and that <laughs> got into an academic journal, right? right? I mean, this right. is this is the type of stuff. Th- these don't be fooled by the academics who have PhDs next to their name. They're just as dumb as you are. <laughs> don't worry about it. They're just as dumb as you. Are. It really is ridiculous because all these people too, and I think we've seen this with coronavirus, these academics who focus so, uh, you know, who devote their lives to a very, very specific and niche cause, they get blinders. They get blinders on and they can't see beyond those beyond those constructs that they've put in, you know, they, the, or these, these lenses that they've decided to view the world through. They can't see beyond that. And when someone doesn't buy into that because one, either they don't have the knowledge or experience or two, um, your your point of view is just batshit crazy you you can't you the response is not to cancel them the response is to probably try to get rid of your blinders and understand other individuals it's absolutely ridiculous that um even the most enlightened among us are incapable of doing that no i think you're absolutely right uh another big uh piece of news that happened yesterday uh last night uh nbc news which is a just a Stalinist organization at this point, literally. Uh, they, they try to co-opt Google into destroying the Federalist and Zero Hedge. Uh, but just side note, Zero Hedge, it's funny that they went after Zero Hedge. They're just like a like a libertarian-leaning like stock market news site. Pretty benign stuff. But anyway, so they try to co-opt Google uh, into destroying the Federalist and uh, Zero Hedge, demanding that they uh, demonetize them essentially for being conservative uh google forced the federalists to remove their their comment section um this is this is fascinating stuff man one like nbc news its supposed news outlet has made it their focus just to try to silence conservative speech i that that that's not the behavior of a normal news organization um and I mean, look, if we're, if we're making the federalists remove their comments uh do all leftist sites have to remove their comments does youtube I mean, have you ever seen a YouTube comment section? It is a 
wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> are we going to remove all that? I mean, there's all kinds of evil stuff on every website's comment section. So are we removing all of them? Are we getting rid of Reddit entirely? I, I mean, it, this is this is ridiculous, Brad. It absolutely is ridiculous. And we're putting a lot of the blame on NBC News because NBC News reported on it. But really, the problem is the NBC News used research for the Center for Counterfeiting Digital Hate, which is like this British um, media matters type website. Right. Right. Right? And it's so funny. The person who wrote the report actually tweeted out, so glad we were able to collaborate on this on this research with you guys and and put out this report. And, you know, everyone from uh, that CCHN or whatever it was, right, said, oh, oh, CCDH was like, oh, this is great. Great. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you going out there and censoring speech on our behalf, NBC News. Thank you for using your clout to push through um, our leftist narrative because we have zero followers because everyone knows we are beyond the gourd insane. That 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 is just shameful. And th- and this is the status of journalism in this country, right? The people who are saying, oh, but the objective news media. No, the me- the media has never been objective once in this country. No. L- let's face the facts here. Stop treating the media. Stop treating the media as the fourth branch. Or the fourth, yeah, the fourth branch of government. Stop treating it as like this pseudo-governmental entity that is somehow putting out fires for the populace. No, the entire purpose of the media, because the entire purpose of the media is to is to get ratings, right? The purpose of the media, in order to get those ratings, is to stoke fires among the populace, not to put them out. And we've seen that fully on display for the last four years now, um, and it's been going on throughout this country's history. But we are just too ignorant and too afraid to step up to these elites to say otherwise. It's absolutely ridiculous. And shame on Google for giving into it. You know, I'm not particularly surprised, but Google, you have more power than I want to say, you know, probably all but three countries in this world, China, Russia, the United States. You have more power than any other country in the world, and your corporate value is larger than many, like many of the world's economies. Absolutely. And, and that and that does pose a challenge for policymakers in the U.S. And we can talk about the policy in a little bit. But you have to recognize that with great power comes great responsibility. I mean, it, and and they're and they're just shitting all over that responsibility. If you look up pro-life abortion science, you'll get an article from Planned Parenthood descri- describing the science, the left-leaning science. Right. And stop. Oh, science isn't left leaning. Science isn't right leaning. No, that's not true. That's not true. This is all coming from academics. Right. Right. Academics have a vested political interest. They have a vested political agenda. Of course. They will create science in order to meet their political prerogatives. That's where racial Darwinism came from. Right. It came it came from elite American institutions of higher education, Wilsonian progressives that were racist to their core and they passed off their racist agendas as science. So you'll get that from Planned Parenthood based on some left-leaning science before you'll actually get an article from a pro-life organization describing the scientific consensus around when life starts for a human being developmentally. That is insane. That's insane. Even though Google is based off of Boolean logic, they are promoting left-wing ideas because the, the assumption is from the people internal at Google is that the world thinks exactly how Google wants them to think and that is overwhelmingly left-leaning, 
and that therefore they are looking for that in- information. They are soliciting that information that confirms their political priors, that confirms their beliefs, not looking to get the actual information that they're searching for in order to possibly even challenge those beliefs. So there's a lot of responsibility in curation. There's a lot of responsibility in demonetizing platforms, given that yeah, you know, a vast majority, aside from maybe Fox News and a few of the other large national media outlets, outlets a large majority of media relies on that ad space in order to stay uh, to stay solvent. And and this is not a uh, an attempt to stop the Federalist Society or the Federalist Society, the Federalist from having a comment section. This is an attempt to get the Federalist to go bankrupt right. and to be removed from the Internet. The thing is, you come at the king, you best not miss. And they missed. And the, the, here's another. I mean, I'm concerned, obviously, about the left trying to censor us conservatives, of course, but. I'm also concerned because this is how you get a president, Josh Hawley, okay, <laughs> which I don't want. I don't want that. I think Josh Hawley is not a conservative. I think he uh, is a moron uh, when it comes to censorship. But this is how you get a president, Josh Hawley. Either the left tr- stops trying to silence us or somebody is going to come around and destroy the Internet as we know it. Like those are the only two outcomes. The left shuts up and goes away or... Josh Hawleyism takes over the Republican Party, which I, I bet his views on regulating big tech. Because for those of you that, that don't know, Josh Hawley, the the senator from uh, uh, Missouri, he, he's really big on trying to regulate big tech. Uh, you know, pass new laws that say they can't silence conservatives, things like that. Like some real anti-free market stuff. Uh, which obviously I oppose all regulation, but I do understand the reaction to embrace Josh Hawleyism. On the right, you know, the left has been beating us up for decades and silencing us. So I understand people that want a guy like Josh Hawley to come in and fight back. But if you elect a guy like that, I mean, he's going to destroy the Internet as we know it. Okay, he's going to regulate big tech into the ground. Uh, And that the, the left has not thought this through. Like, they do not understand that the pendulum will swing back and hit them right on the chin. Uh, and th- this is how you get Josh Hawley in the White House if, if they do not back off. I think you're right. I, I think Josh Hawley is a nationalist conservative to a large degree, um, right? More a nationalist conservative, more of the, the collectivist type of conservative that we see coming out of Europe, for example. That's why Hayek described right. himself as an old Whig, right. which is actually, um, you know, f- for example, Burke. Um, John Stuart Mill, they were considered Whigs back in the day, right? Back yeah. and we're going back to to um, uh, British government, right? Um, <clears throat> they're they're old Whigs, and that's why Hayek identified with the American conservative movement and not the European iterations yes. of the conservative movement. And yes. if you look at the European conservative movement, what have they conserved? They have conserved nothing. Now. I, I totally understand that people are very frustrated with the Republican Party and conservatives more generally in the United States because they have failed to conserve anything, too. Right. But to say, oh, we failed to conserve anything on the on the uh, you know economic side of the equation. Uh, we continue to lose these battles. We continue to have unreasonable government spending. We continue to have unreasonable government programs. So therefore, we're just going to be OK. We're going to bite that bullet. You know, who care? Who cares about the massive economic downturn and destruction of our economy that's coming down the pipe because of these things. Well, we'll say those things are okay, but we're going to fight, you know, we're going to fight the culture war within government. I don't think the way to fight the culture war is to censor speech. You know, a a great quote from Charlie Cook over at National Review was uh, 
Section 230 was the best piece of legislation Congress passed this century. And naturally, both the Democrats and Republicans are against it. Of course. And, and I mean, this, this is really the status of, of government in the in the in this country. Uh, and, and it's a it's a massive, massive problem. And you will get folks like Josh Hawley running for president. And I think Josh Hawley has a legitimate shot at winning the the nomination, depending. I mean, I guess, yes, let's put it this way. If Trump wins four more years come November, it is a very good chance that Josh Hawley makes a run in 2024. And I think Josh Hawley will choose someone, somebody like Nikki Haley to, to placate the more moderates or, or libertarian wing. And I know that a lot of libertarians don't like Nikki Haley, but they might like her as a person. And they think that'll placate enough in order to get Josh Hawley's bid through uh, the Republican primary. And if, and if Trump does win four more years, um, that's going to say that, OK, this Trump idea of fighting back to the left um, – is now going to be adopted on the governmental level. And I, I like, don't worry, like, don't don't get me wrong. I like that uh, Trump fights the left and doesn't give them an inch. Right. You know, sometimes he 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 he's a hammer in search of a nail and sometimes he hits a puppy. Um, <clears throat> but I think it is very different to rhetorically battle the left and not give them an inch on on uh, anything. I think that's different than acquiescing to the desire to accumulate power in government. And using that power strictly for um, the will of conservatism, and not be concerned about, as you said, as you said, that pendulum swinging the other way when the Democrats are then tasked tasked with that with enforcing that type of power, right? And Elizabeth Warren uh, reading of Section 230, if repealed, is going to be a heck of a lot different than what Josh Hawley thinks it is. Yeah, and that is severely problematic. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, I mean. <sighs> Leftists who are trying to silence conservatives, uh, tread carefully. That, that, that's my warning to you. Heed my warning. Tread carefully, because Trump might be a hammer in search of a nail, but Josh Hawley is a machine gun in search of an industry to regulate. So I, you're you're gonna if you if you keep proceeding with this this you know this attempt to silence the right, I don't know. It's going to come back and punch you right in the face, and I don't think you're going to enjoy it very much. Uh, one more thing before I let you go, Brad. Uh, yesterday was we, we did have some fun, all of us on the right. We, we did have some fun yesterday. We got to take a break from riots, from race baiting, from coronavirus, uh, and we all got to come together and watch the moronic never-Trumper Rick Wilson get absolutely bodied by Domino's Pizza. A beautiful thing. Beautiful. You love to see it. You love to see it. It was the best it was the best. Domino's literally pulled, uh, sir, this is a Domino's <laughs> to Rick Wilson on Twitter. Rick Wilson found a tweet from 2012. Eight years ago. Now, granted, Kaylee's pizza, Kaylee's pizza tweet is garbage. The, New York City pizza is better way, than Domino's. Just, just in case, boy, in case, in case have you guys I haven't... had a hankering for Domino's now. Uh, just, just real quick, we'll backtrack in case anybody missed it. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, who's uh, Trump's very attractive uh, press secretary, tweeted eight years ago when she was in college some some compliment to Domino's Pizza, and eight years ago Domino's Pizza replied saying like, "Oh, thanks, appreciate it," and then that that's what set uh, Rick Wilson off. And he said, "You know, oh, he tweeted at Domino's saying something along the lines of, oh, you just ruined your brand.' <laughs> Moronic, but anyway, anyway, take it away, Brad." Just ruined your brand. You ruined your brand eight years ago. Can you believe that? You just ruined your brand. And some social media intern is just like, who the f is this clown? 
who is this clown? Let's let's just let's just end his day. <laughs> and and it's so beautiful to see like like Rick Wilson and and Jennifer Rubin just get bodied for every single one of their takes on social media now. I mean, Rick Wilson has tweeted 300,000 over 300,000 times. Like in every single one of those tweets, he just gets shlacked because everyone realizes that these people have no principles. These people now are whatever conserv like conservatism is whatever Trump is not. And that is just uh, you know, people people have often uh, like Albert Hirschman wrote a book called The Rhetoric of Reaction. Right. There's a lot of of books about the reactionary nature of conservatism, the reactionary nature of the Republican Party. OK, no one summarizes the reactionary nature of conservatism better than Jennifer Rubin and Rick Wilson, people who have found, quote unquote, strange new respect from the left. In this time, if you think that the reactionary aspect of conservatism is bad, you best be, you know, very, very worried about Jennifer Rubin and Rick Wilson types who will just do anything for the clout. And I'm so glad that Domino's is like, you know, I this, you know, thinking that this was political is just absolutely ridiculous. We complimented a customer for giving us an endorsement saying our pizza is better than New York City pizza, which is like known as the best pizza in the country. You know, take that and screw off. And 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 to see Rick Wilson, you know, not only get dogpiled by Domino's and everyone else on that tweet, but then to feel what it's like to go through what he puts so many people through on a daily basis is the best part about this whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the thing, though. Imagine thinking, legitimately thinking, imagine holding the position that. Anybody who says anything kind to a Republican should be bankrupted. I mean, like, that that's—is that what Rick Wilson is saying? So anybody who has been nice to Kaylee McEnany in her life should be killed or destroyed. <laughs> okay, like, 65 million people voted for Donald Trump. Is Rick Wilson's stated position that every single one of them should be destroyed and any— company or corporation who has said anything nice to any of those 65 million people should immediately be canceled and destroyed and bankrupted like that's how do you live in a society with somebody like rick wilson like if if he actually believes that how i mean how do you how how do you, how do you live together like how, how do we move forward like that's absolutely insane and evil yeah it's untenable the answer is you don't you can't no you can't have a country that functions that way. You, you, it's, it's absolutely impossible. And you know, uh, good on good on Caleb Hall and the others who went through, you know, Rick's Instagram, his wife's Instagram, and said, okay, well, you got this, you got this cooler here that says the South will rise again. Uh huh. Uh -huh. How do you feel about that, Rick? You know, uh, oh, Confederate. This was all spurred by the fact that Rick Wilson said, Confederate flags are only going to be seen at Donald Trump rallies from from now on. Meanwhile, a Confederate flag cooler is sitting on his boat and stays in his house. And then, and, the, and, and then, and then, just to show you how despicable. And then, and then the next. Yeah, and just, just keep to, going. Just, the next part to show you how yeah. despicable Rick Wilson and his wife are. That cooler was painted by their son's girlfriend mm -hmm. and given to their son. And as soon as they were called out on the fact that they had the cooler. That says the South will rise again and has the stars and bars painted on around the sides of it. They threw their son <laughs> under the bus and said, well, this isn't our cooler. 
Yes. This is our son's cooler. As if that makes the situation any better. Well, you raised Rick, your... Are you out of your gourd? So, uh, so <laughs> his response was, our son is racist and we are terrible parents. <laughs> like, that's his defense. Yeah. What a moron. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't have any good takes on politics. I also have, don't have any good takes on history. And so I've never taught my son a damn thing <laughs> was their response. That... It, it, it's beyond parody at this point. As I said, like the season of 2020 is focusing on the cancel culture and you know, you reap what you sow. And that's why you got to be incredibly careful of what you reap. What you're reaping right now is Josh Hawley yep. coming straight at you in 2024. Yeah, man. And I think you're exactly right about that. And I, I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised in the least to see that happen. Was Rick, Rick Wilson. He was like a, he was like a aide to John McCain, right? Or he was like John McCain's campaign manager or something like that. He's been grifting so hard for so long, I actually forgot what he does for a living. <laughs> he's just been he's been like the grifter on CNN and, and on Twitter for a while. Am I right about that? Wasn't he like a McCain guy? I, I can't even remember. Um, he was on George H.W. Bush's campaign in Florida. I knew that. Um, he, he worked with Rudy Giuliani in his... Uh, mayor mayoral campaign and uh other than that i you know he's just working as an advisor to the lincoln project as as i know right now and they're just trying to prevent the re-election of donald trump in 2020 i mean if you think lincoln would advocate for joe biden over donald trump i i, I don't know what to tell you i really think lincoln would be like well the evil you know there there is there are certain evils associated with donald trump surely I don't think Donald Trump is a man of faith. And I think that would be Lincoln's biggest gripe is that Donald Trump, he'd, I don't think Lincoln would think Donald Trump is truly a man of faith, but you have to take a man on his word because we're talking about his faith and that faith is between him and God. And that's what I think Lincoln would say about this. But, you know, actually I had a conversation with my former gov teacher about this who contacted me when all the impeachment stuff was happening earlier this year, which is crazy to think that that was the same year uh, that we're in right now wild but he he started talking we ta started talking about lincoln's yeah we started talking about lincoln's record and he talked about voting rights and how democrats are always trying to protect the right of people to vote if you think lincoln's record is strictly voting rights you're a moron you're a moron flat out there there's nothing there's lincoln was a nationalist conservative president and people don't like to recognize that and when i say nationalism i'm not talking about bad evil nationalism no there are good functions of nationalism there are good there are good types of nationalism without nationalism you don't have any sort of bonds between individuals that help them come together to form a country that forms patriotism right patriotism is the allegiance to the country to the flag nationalism is an allegiance to a people group and that that's why nationalism has to predate uh to a certain extent patriotism and both things um, can be good. Both things can be bad. But you you can't you can't sit here uh, and say that that the Lincoln Project is truly acting uh, in the legacy of Lincoln. Lincoln. No, it's just a bunch of anti-Trumpers masquerading around under the name of one of of our nation's greatest president. And it's an it's a it's a shame. It really is. It's a disgrace to the legacy of Lincoln. And um, you know I I hope I hope they fail miserably in their attempts to. Uh, prevent Donald Trump from getting reelected. I really think Lincoln's the our nation's greatest president. That's interesting. I, I don't even think Lincoln would be in my top five, to be honest. Uh, as a libertarian, that doesn't shock me at all, though Brady. Right. Like, I, I I don't think I don't think that surprises me. I think you you have Coolidge up there. Oh yeah. Right. Yep. 
Yeah, is Coolidge what you're two I, to Washington one? Maybe? Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to say Coolidge one, but strength of schedule, you know, degree of difficulty, you got to give it to, to George Washington. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's nothing that I'm surprised about. But again, George Washington, another nationalist conservative president, right? Um, but at the same time, the founder of our nation and and, and paid us all great service. And I think the libertarian argument for uh, George Washington being the greatest president ever, and he is he was the only. Um, man in human history up to that point to peacefully give right. up power yeah. on their own accord. Exactly. Right. Yep. Uh, I mean, and then, and that's a, and that's a huge point for libertarians. And I think that that's really important. And it, you know, created, um, a, a, a morality within, within the governmental structure that wasn't there, um, at the time of the founding that, that people, you know, kind of wanted a, a pseudo monarch in the position of the presidency. And I, I'm glad that, that George Washington made the steps that he did. And I'm glad that we've prevented or we've now, you know, we now prevent presidents from having a third term because, you know, we realize that progressives are willing to crap all over the legacy of George Washington and give and give FDR a third term because they like his economic policy and they thought it was necessary for wartime. Absolutely. As if as if Truman couldn't have got did, couldn't have got the job done. Yeah, yeah. Well, which was proven, <laughs> proven true. Truman did get the job done. But yeah. uh, all right, I uh, I kept you way over like I usually do. I apologize, Brad. Um, where can everybody follow you online? Where can everybody check out your podcast, which is a great show that I highly recommend? Yeah, so I'm the host of The Elephant in the Room with Bradley Devlin. Go check that out at T-E-I-T-R underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, join our growing group of, of Twitter followers. We'll be tweeting out not only our episodes, but clip videos of the episodes. And you can find my podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and also in a video format on YouTube. So make sure to check us out there. Uh, also, uh, my personal accounts can be found at, at Bradley Devlin on Twitter and at Bradley Devlin on Facebook. Um, and if you're so inclined, follow me on Instagram at the Brad Dev. Everybody follow Brad. He's great. Everybody check out the Elephant in the Room podcast. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.